So, we're here today at Arboretum on St. Benedict Street. I can't actually remember what number it is, and there isn't a sign, so it's a bit hard to explain exactly where it is. We are opposite oh, yeah. the plough. Yeah, opposite the plough. And uh, we're just coming in today for a little look around this uh, amazing and very weird, so it's perfect for us. It's like uh, our kind of spiritual home, yeah. really, that isn't our own home, yeah, yeah, which yeah. of course is our spiritual um, home. So it's uh, an antique store and a cocktail bar. So yeah, let's go in and have a little and, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued, antiques and cocktails. Yeah, they yeah. go perfectly together. Okay. <laughs> so we're in and this is Greg who um, owns this with um, Kirsty who is hiding out back at the moment, I think. Yes, yeah. she's indeed kind of yeah. chain-smoking out the back, unashamedly. <laughs> like, um, uh, yeah, it sounded like you kind of did a really good job of explaining it, uh, with it both being a bar and an antique shop. Um, it's kind of eclectic in terms of what we actually have in the store, but it's um, kind of mostly Victorian curios, um, kind of atypical curios with lots of apothecary stuff um, in the front, and then out the back is more kind of domestic and rural bygones, and lots of bones and a big dog. Fantastic. The big dog is amazing. Yeah. I love him. Tell us a bit about Dylan the big dog. Uh, well, Dylan's a 14-month-old Irish wolfhound puppy who's already probably about three times the size of a border collie. Um, <laughs> I mean, he really is huge. He's up to my waist. Yeah, he's only like, like three quarters horse. of the way grown yeah. as well. Like, like a um, <laughs> uh, we, we took him to the All About Dog show uh, at Norfolk Showground recently and all of the Great Danes were terrified because they had never seen another dog bigger than them. The look of abject fear on their faces. But he's such a sweetie though. He, I don't know how he could, they could be scared like of him. He's like a perfect bar dog. He just yeah. sits around and kind of... At the moment, I can see him at the corner of my eye and he, uh, fittingly with the rest of the aesthetic, looks dead. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think we need to try and explain what the room we're standing in is like, which is difficult and... Both easy, because I could say it's a bit like my house, but yeah. that doesn't help. I, I always equate it, it to an extension of my living room as well. Yeah. Like, um, uh, I'd, I'd say in terms of the actual room, there's a bunch of kind of period elements that we uncovered when we were redoing the shop. Um, initially, it was kind of all painted white and a lot of areas were boarded up. Uh, we uncovered a fireplace in the corner that's an old Victorian oh, yeah. fireplace uh, that had been covered up for at least 70 years. Um, the gentleman whose family uh, ran it as a fruit and veg shop for 70 years never knew that that fireplace was there. Um, all of the walls that were painted white once we started to strip it back we started to realise that there was very very old pine there like um, our um, carpenter was genuinely stroking the walls and talking about how that type of pine doesn't exist because it's been bred out now uh, he put it to probably 800 to 100, uh, well, uh, 80 to 100 years old um, so for us it was all about kind of like showing that uh, but then also kind of having uh, period elements kind of dotted around as well a Victorian parlour, isn't it? Yeah. It does yeah. really feel like you've just walked into someone's front room. It's really, yeah. really nice. Yeah, it's very, comfortable. very dark, isn't it? A dark aesthetic, I think we could say. Yeah. And there's kind of comfortable chairs you can sit. It's a bit like someone's just left, yeah. isn't it? Like a Victorian family departed. Just, Someone yeah, just dearly departed. departed. <laughs> Sounds very ominous, doesn't it? Like, uh, yeah, we've designed it to look kind of like a weird person's front room. Uh, one of the things that we quite like is that it's, um, uh, well, yeah. Everybody I, I mean, looks at Stacia. <laughs> you kind of giggle as if you're the only weird person here. That's yeah, the thing. Yeah, like, um, yeah. 
Uh, the logic is, is that with uh, no signage and having the front window mostly blocked off and having the bar in the middle as opposed to in the front, uh, it's a litmus test for our kind of people. Um, uh, the people that will come in are the people who are either brave enough or strange enough to be attracted to this kind of uh, very strange stuff. Uh, and then they'll put the head around the door be, oh god, that dog is massive. Oh, you do drink. And then <laughs> that's, that's where we go That's all you need, really, isn't it? And the joy is that everything that we see, everything, is for sale, other yes. than yourself, presumably. Uh, well, I have a high hourly rate. <laughs> Good to know. Uh, but you, we have to haggle. Yes, uh, there is no prices on anything. Uh, the only thing that on paper isn't for sale is the dog. Uh, we had a gentleman uh, about a week ago. Uh, he didn't like the people on the table, a couple of tables across to him, so he bought the table and the chairs that they were sat at and then left with it in his van. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, my God, that's that is, such yeah, a good idea, is isn't it? Yeah, or just yeah. buy them and then just get rid of them. <laughs> Fantastic. So have people embraced that concept? Because the British are famously not great at haggling. Well, it's an interesting one because the house rule that we have is if you like an item, you bring it to the bar and then you tell me what you would like to pay. 90% of the time we'll get people stand there staring at the item for about 10 minutes. And you can tell they've got an idea of the number, but they just don't want to say it just in case they're offensive. Uh, a lot of the time I tend to have to combine it with drinks. Yes. I was going to say, does that drinks and... Um, Drink oil the way. Yeah, does that I, help? I couldn't possibly comment. The Trading Standards Agency would have, would have me. <laughs> <laughs> so it would be a case of just seeing something and then coming and saying... It's easy though, isn't it? Because you just say how much you would want to pay. Yeah, you yeah. say it's easy, but yeah. when we had a conversation about this, you were like, no, I can't do that. Uh, no, I can't do it. No, I, I would be rubbish at it. The fear we have, we have two fears, don't we, that we're going to underpitch it or overpitch it, and that's the problem, and that's yeah. the embarrassing thing, that we're going to ask you a ridiculous price, or we're going to ask you an over-the-top price, and you're just oh yeah, I'll have that. Well, that's the thing. That uh, is pretty uh, much what happens, though. It, it was it? one of the things that I got genuinely shocked about, because prior to this, I've, I've been an antiques dealer for about um, like a year or so, uh, mostly in kind of traditional places like uh, St Gregory's Church around the corner. Like, um... People would consistently, in the first two weeks, offer me more than I was asking for in the shop. Um, oftentimes, uh, I would then tell them how much I was charging in the first place and then charge them that. Um, uh, I, I'm uh, Both me and Kirsty, we've had extensive conversations about it. Uh, we want to do business in good faith. Um, uh, it, it's Norwich and... and uh, we... You would get a name if you were taking people's money for things that was well, yeah, too much but it's you. also we want to set it up as like a community yeah. thing like say for example like um aside from the stuff that we're doing with you guys like uh we've been doing awesome Wales's radio broadcasts and yeah. we've been doing um well we're going to be doing very shortly uh kirsty's doing a sewing circle because she's a traditionally oh. trained seamstress it's going to be a traditional sewing circle in the back every tuesday oh, uh, and that's oh, going to go on the instagram good. once it's all ready but like um all of those are free uh, and it's all about kind of like building a community aspect uh, to then overcharge people would be completely against our yeah. ethos Mm. And how have people taken to the place? How long have you been here for now? Uh, probably just over two months. Okay. Uh, we're very, very fresh and we're already very tired. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it, uh, I'm, I can't possibly say anything negative about the reception that we've had in Norwich. Um, one of the things that absolutely shocked me is when you get kind of the demographic that wouldn't usually like us in. Sometimes they'll just appreciate how different it is and really engage. And sometimes I've had people stood at the bar like, it's not for me. And I'm like, that's fine. And they're like, oh, it's cool. Well, thank you. It was an experience. And then they pop over the plough. And, and yeah. it, it's, it's, it's good to see that even when they don't understand, they, they still understand. Nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah.
And so what, what um, I detect a non-Norfolk accent, because I'm a trained observer. Um, so how do you come to be in Norfolk in the first place? Uh, well, I come from Dudley in the Midlands. Uh, I don't really sound too Dudley because I overpronunciate. Uh, I worked in retail for a number of years and experienced people not understanding a single thing I said, so I got used to overpronunciating. Uh, wait until I've had a few beers and then I sound like I'm from Dudley. Uh, but I, about eight years ago, I uh, went on holiday up here and phoned my mum on the holiday and then said... Um, uh, it's nice here, it's better than Dudley, you're going to have to come up here instead of me. And then I never left, I found a flat from there and wow. uh, ended up at the art uni, which is where I met Kirsty, and yeah. all kind of went downhill from there, really. I've been trying to ask, um, but Stacia keeps interrupting me. Um, That's not a sassy comment. <laughs> That's a first. It's my job to interview. I'm in well, I was mode. just, uh, the cocktail element, so Stacia really loves the antiques, and I do love the antiques, but mm. for me it's more about the cocktails. Yeah. So obviously... Um, you have quite specific cocktails. Could you explain how well, yeah. it works? Um, so effectively, um, our kind of back bar uh, is designed to be kind of all old and British. Um, one of the things that we wanted to avoid was kind of have the kind of themed Victorian pub thing. It's just things that we've found that are kind of like lost bits of uh, kind of British drinking history. Um, so say, for example, like all of our cocktails at the moment predate 1850 using the traditional recipes. They are as they would have been served in pewter tankards. The only difference is ice, uh, but that's like a modern palette thing. Uh, the oldest one we have at the moment is called the Sangaree. It's a port-based, uh, the recipe's from 1720, um, and uh, it's basically England inventing sangria about 100 years before Spain did. Uh, admittedly, that's our after-work drink. Yeah, that sounds really good. Uh, yeah, it, it's <laughs> remarkable, and uh, it's, it's shocking that they're not in kind of common parlance. Um, I think out of kind of everywhere that I've been, uh, Norwich is one of the places that would embrace the fact that it's been lost, yeah. um, and uh, at least appreciate the fact that uh, it's something that could... Uh, still exist in a contemporary setting. Yeah. I think that's one of the reasons why I, I, well, for me personally, why I'm so drawn to this place uh, as weird alcohol. Norfolk. Yes, alcohol, obviously. <laughs> but it's that whole thing as of like a... bringing back things that have almost been lost. Yeah. And that's us with yeah, our folklore is, yeah. and the ghost stories and stuff. That's what we kind of do. And, and yeah. that's what you're doing with that. And I think it goes really well together. Yeah. Oh, What's that sherry cocktail you made me the other night? Oh, that's, that's, that's the sherry cobbler. That recipe is lifted directly from Charles Dickens' memoirs. Um, he, he went into detail about what he drank uh, to the point where, um, I mean, it's the old measure, so it's like a glug or a sip of something. But um, uh, all, <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like all of them, like had actual measurements. Yeah, like yeah. it sounds just like oh, just pour a bit in. Yeah, yeah. But um, like, like a glug uh, on average is about two and a half shots. Uh, really? Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's a thing. So because it sounds yeah, like wow. a glug would be how far it got in the bottle glug, before glug. it went glug. Yeah, yeah. That, that pretty much is it. Yeah. But then you have to kind of like figure out the average. Yeah. And uh, th there are people on the internet that have gone into massive details and wrote whole thesis yeah. on what a glug could probably be. And um, uh, so, yeah, we just kind of use a few of those kind of studies uh, to uh, transfer uh, the old measurements into the new ones and then make them as they would have been. Uh, it also sounds like it could be a dessert, mm. I feel, yeah. a sherry cobbler. It is a little bit. Well, you experienced it. The bottom of that glass is basically a boozy fruit compote. amazing. Yeah, really nice. <laughs> you also, you don't have a menu at all, do you? No, so. you have to talk to us. Yeah. It, it, it's a big part of the um, uh, no process and you have to haggle uh, in the same way as having no menu. It's like, uh, we want a place where you have to talk. Uh, you can't just kind of walk into a bar and just be like, uh, I can see that they've got X beer on. I'll have a pint of that. on the beach, please. Yeah, and then you just kind of disappear off and then there's no interaction. One of the things that, um, uh, with the community aspect again, uh, is that we're, we're like a part of this. Uh, it's, it, we're welcoming you into our house, so we'd like to talk to you first. Mm. That's all it is. And it also means that if you are somebody a bit like me, who's kind of, I, you know, I like cocktails, but I don't like really, really strong 
cocktails. Yeah. I don't mind the alcohol being strong. I just mean the taste. Oh, and you were, you got it and kind of made me something sweet that was, you know, accessible. Yeah. But it means, uh, because I talked to you, you were able to kind of come up with something for me. Yeah. Uh, well, it, uh, I knew what to serve you after you said not strong in terms of flavour, but strong in terms of booze. Um, that had two <laughs> shots of gin and two shots of sherry in it. Yes. Hey, guys. Uh, if you could just pot through, if that's okay. Yes, uh, we're recording a podcast and it's all really <laughs> sorry, exciting. Sorry. <laughs> My other half is just behind the barn. I'm sure she can walk you through the wonderful things that we have on offer. Also, ignore the dead dog. Yes. You, you what, sorry? Also, ignore the, ignore the dead dog. Oh, okay, yeah, sure. I think he's breathing. Oh. <laughs> Thank you. Cheers, guys. Enjoy. I think it may be time for us to have a look around your things. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Well, we wanted to ask you, what are your... Three, yeah, yeah. Favorite, if you, yeah your, maybe three favourite things <laughs> or things that you, people are drawn to a lot. Uh, in, in the corner over here, uh, before I explain what it is, uh, I've already explained what it is to you guys, would you like to explain to the listeners uh, what it looks like? So it, it, it's very, it's very kind of, um, it looks Eastern European block, doesn't it? It's kind of a, a machine, it's it got like two dials. It radio communication or yeah, something, Yeah, it maybe? looks fairly unprepossessing, but scary at the same time. It looks to me like something out of Dixon of Dot Green, the old police thing, where they were talking to their cars. That's <laughs> yes. what it looks like, because like a microphone the dials and stuff. Although and Richard doesn't know what it is, so no, actually his know. description is probably uh, the best. That's not a microphone, that's a conductor. Uh, this particular item is a 1970s electrotherapy machine. Uh, it's still used by the Russians uh, today. Uh, those dials are basically uh, to control what comes out of the big metal conductor on the side, um, and that can genuinely be used for torture. Like. We should point out that the Russians don't use it here in Norwich. It's not this oh, one no. that they use. That we know of. <laughs> we have we no of. proof of this. Who knows what goes on after hours? Although that sounds like we've got prejudice. Everybody could use it in Norwich. <laughs> <laughs> um, so another one, uh, another interesting one, of all, all the dead things in jars, really. Uh, I do that in my shed. Uh, the other half makes me keep it in the shed. Uh, so we've got a fully. Oh, sorry, you do what in, in your shed? Uh, uh, make these little oh, right, dead okay. things in jars. Like, um, I to be sure, so when did that start? A, a couple of years ago. Like, I noticed that. Um, uh, so on the market, kind of vintage um, wet specimens, and they're wet specimens in terms of um, uh, you can still get them out and then use their DNA uh, if you worked in a laboratory or something. Uh, the, the DNA will never degrade uh, if they're in formaldehyde or bioethanol. But I also realised that all of the old ones were in formaldehyde, which is highly cancerous and really bad for the environment. Um, and there are only two or people across the country making contemporary ones in kind of um, distilled bioethanol. Uh, so it made sense for me to start doing it myself, initially just for me, but then it kind of started to sell. Uh, I had like an internet shop at the time and we'll be soon setting one up for this shop as well. Um, yeah. It would be without the haggle element online. Well, it's an interesting one. Uh, yeah. We're going to do um, uh, ideal price and then email us to argue with us. Excellent. Good. So what, what sort of animals, dead things, are in these jars? Uh, so mostly either kind of like deep sea bait. So we've got a fully grown cuttlefish, lots of little tiny octopuses and cuttlefish, and a fully grown octopus before us. Um, these are sourced from a kind of large company that provide deep sea bait to kind of um, large scale fishermen. We tend to source from these kind of really big companies because they're... Um, kind of like ethical point has to be considerably better than just somebody getting it off a beach. Um, uh, considering the bioethanol thing, uh, we wanted to come at it from a very kind of low carbon, uh, high ethics standpoint. 
Uh, same thing with like the, you can see a chick up there, and we've got kind of rats and mice dotted around. Uh, they're from uh, effectively uh, like reptile centers that would be selling uh, to you to then feed your snake. Uh, so once again, it's a place that has have an absolutely. Have you got any at your house? Yes, the old ones. Yes. What's your favourite one? Uh, I have a uh, disemboweled pregnant guinea pig. Amazing. Uh, it, uh, she's fully grown, uh, and uh, the way that she's been taken out is that like um. Uh, <laughs> well, well uh, this is why I have to keep <laughs> it in my. She's very quiet, isn't she? <laughs> it's really hard because I feel very because I really like taxidermy. I do really like it, but it also makes me feel sad because I'm like, oh. Yeah. I think but, it's honouring the lives. Yeah. See, I think wet specimens are much more kind of humble than taxidermy. I think taxidermy has mm. its place to kind of show how grandiose and beautiful an animal could be, but in terms of respecting an animal when it's dead, mm. uh, wet specimens are probably... I mean, they all look like they're sleeping. Yeah. Really? Like, I think that's I think much more kind of... I think things in jars-wise, this sounds really gross, sorry, but I like, I prefer human bits in jars. Any particular you, bits? Have you got any human bits in jars? <laughs> uh, no, funnily enough, if I get human bits in, they sell immediately. I bet they, I don't, do I, they I, really? I have never had a human yeah, body part longer than 12 hours. You said that your, your gynaecological collections always go fast. That's, that's another thing that absolutely disappears. I say, that would be the last thing I would want. But possibly that's because I'm a lady. No, when we went to the, um, the old operating theatre, they had all the gynaecological stuff in there. And yeah. it was quite, made, made me feel a bit funny in yeah. the womb it area. It's not, it's not <laughs> It made me <laughs> the interesting thing is, is that, I mean, we're, we're talking cold metal uh, every single time. Some of them are rusty. Um, I can understand uh, trying to empathise with their perspective if it's like a vaginal speculum or something. It's like you, there's, there's probably practical uses for that. However, when you've got things like when you've got things like birthing shears, that it's like there is no use of this. Like they're they're huge. Like um, in the garden, the topiary. <laughs> yeah. Different kind of topiary. <laughs> uh, but both times I've sold birthing shears have been to kind of young tattooed ladies with big smiles on their faces. And I mean, wh- whatever you're into. But like uh, the, um, the, the interesting thing is that they're huge. They're, they're, they're like, um, if you imagine uh, like forceps but curved outwards oh with gosh. a big kind of loop at the end of the forcep oh instead of like a clamp. And then they disconnect, but they're, they're huge. It's like shears. Uh, it's like, I mean... Is and that... this is the stuff that goes quickly. Yeah, it disappears. Perhaps. It, it boggles the mind. It's fascinating what people are into, isn't it? Like, yeah. yeah. Really. Fascinating and, and slightly creepy. Yes. Nothing else creeps me. That does a bit, I have to say. Any listeners with a nervous disposition should have switched off five minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Do you worry that you've got this amazing Russian electronic thing right next to jars of dead animals. They, they, there's, there's a story here, there's a Stephen King yeah, here, right here, sorry. isn't it? What's happening? Yeah. Cemetery. Yeah. Luckily enough, I'd have to wire that into the mains, so uh, unless it kind of does itself. What else have you got here? Come on, oh, I've, I've got plenty. Oh, well, one of the things that isn't here right at this specific moment, because I'm, I'm fixing it, because somebody had a play with it and it broke, uh, I've got a tonsil guillotine. Um, uh, so it, it's pre-1940. Um, it's potentially one of the most gruesome, gruesome things that we've had. Uh, if you imagine like a syringe with two actions, so as you push it in initially, uh, a little tiny spear goes through a little hole at the end, uh, and then you push it in the second time, and then two uh, kind of blunt rings in which the spear has gone through uh, then push against each other. Um, what it was was that like um, uh, two uh, kind of stop massive bleeding, which is what would have kind of happened if you had your tonsils kind of cut out, uh, it cauterises the wound by tearing it apart. Um, it, it's, it's, it's kind of the Lovely most... thing. It's the most gruesome thing we've had in here. Uh, and uh, you could leave it on the side and nobody would know that no, it's that bad. Uh, it's only when I you walk... I think that fascination is the fact that you are, when you hold it, 
thinking this was used. Uh, yeah, but everything you know, we have in here has categorically been used multiple times. Which is times. astonishing, isn't it, to think mm. that, you know, you think how cosseted we are now and if we went to have our tonsils out, the whole thing we'd be under and it would be, you know, it's still quite gruesome, frankly. In which case I've got a good one for you. So in my kind of locked cabinet next to the bar, I have a Victorian bloodletting syringe. Do uh, you? That, that would have been used on multiple people and it would have been washed in salt water between times. Um, uh, it would have been for blood samples and more often than not just to check if the blood was red enough. Wow. Uh, Do you kind of feel that when you hold these items? Do you feel their history? It, it's still pointy uh, yeah. and it's hand etched and it's brass and uh, there's, there's, um, there's a little bit of wear on it. Whoever was looking after it looked after it wonderfully uh, but you can tell uh, by looking at it that it's, it's, it's had its use. Uh, the, the wear is in all the right places. I love the concept of this locked cupboard, cupboard behind the bar. Is it so you get your customers to come in and say, "Can I see the special stuff, please?" Yeah, yeah. 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 Right. Uh, that's the stuff that health and safety won't let me put just out the front. Oh gosh, <laughs> that sounds like the cupboard to see. <laughs> <laughs> what else have we got? I love the horse's head up here. Horse? Oh yes, uh, so that I'm selling on behalf of one of my kind of very long-term clients. Uh, we've managed to date that one to a 1920s French travelling carnival. Um, but that's one of the very high-ticket things that we have in here. We don't have many. Like. Um, uh, he has recently come back from Nuremberg um, and he went to an auction there and we're going to get quite a lot of interesting stuff in soon. Uh, oh, a four foot tall, thin, like porcelain glass apothecary bottle uh, we'll be getting in and it's stunning. That, that's going behind the bar. Is, is there <laughs> stuff that's on your kind of wish list? Uh, human remains. It's, really? all, it's always human remains. Uh, we, can't, um, we can't trade them if they um, don't have their paperwork, if they aren't like ex-museum or if they don't have proof that they've been uh, kind of exhumed properly or, or treated with respect following because the law is basically that um, you have to sign an agreement saying that you've treated it with the utmost respect um, and then the kind of presumption is, is that as soon as it goes to another person, another person signs it, as long as it's got a completely unbroken chain of that, then you can buy it and then sell it. Um, you would need to get a license. I already have mine. <laughs> um, what a license! <laughs> Amazing. But I've had a few bits before, and and um, it's it's a remarkable thing, uh, to, especially when you're talking like 18th century skulls and stuff. It's it's absolutely remarkable just to be in the presence of it. Like um, we we held Thomas Brown's replica skull yeah, last week, and that wasn't real. But even that was yeah. because it was made by the Royal College of Surgeons. It was a beautiful thing. There's a story behind it. And even that was really special yeah. to hold that. So a real one must be amazing. Yeah, there's like a kind of uh, unspoken cadence to the item. Uh, Kirsty, uh, when she held the first one that I got in, um, uh, was shaking. Like yeah. uh, it, it's uh, we know subconsciously what that is, even if we're like, oh, it's fine consciously. I think yeah. uh, the, the human predisposition is that we will always kind of be reminded of our mortality. Yeah. And so you want it in your house. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you seem to have a lot of teeth here. Are they real teeth? Uh, no, so these are acrylic these are my teeth. my favourite. Yeah, that you like those best, yeah. don't you? Yeah, I've got quite a lot. Like, um, uh, if you're an art student, come down and buy some teeth. Like, um, the, uh, so they're acrylic, they're early 1970s, back or in the day. No teeth. Well, yeah, or if you have no teeth. Uh, back in the day, you would have had um, kind of um, uh, wooden teeth. Say, for example, George Washington uh, had all wooden teeth. Um, uh, shortly afterwards, they kind of moved into kind of other materials, but that was all quite brief. Um, in the 70s, well, 60s and 70s, it kind of was like, uh, at one point there were Baker-like teeth. Um, at another wow. point there were acrylic teeth. All of these would have been drilled into the gum. Um, these days they're porcelain. Yeah. Uh, but that's kind of like if, if you've got a fair amount of money and you don't want dentures. Gosh, so would these have been dentures or implants? Implants, these yeah. Really? Yeah. Uh, th these, these would have, yeah, been 
been drilled directly into Where did the... you get these from? Auction? Uh, this was an auction in Stone Market about a year and a half ago. Wow, that must have been a great day. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I mean, there are a lot of teeth there, there are aren't there? There are a lot of teeth. That's a lot, a lot of, of bidding. It's a lot of bidding. It's a, a lot, lot of bidding. bidding. What, what, what attracts you to the teeth? I don't know. Well, to be actually, I do know. It's I have a doll. A Blythe doll. I don't know if anyone ever have you seen Blythe dolls? Or oh, I make little outfits for her, and I've got an idea for the teeth outfit. So that's why I'm mostly attracted to them. Blythe necklace. No, I want to do like a little hairband. I think she'll be really cute. <laughs> she'll be like a little tooth fairy, but like a, a goth tooth fairy. Yes. <laughs> that's so unlike you. I can't yeah, yeah, even. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Could you find a use for teeth, Richard? I'm or? sure I could. Maybe in two or three years' time, maybe. <laughs> I couldn't possibly comment on that. I like the doll's face. I've got a couple of those. Yes, I can't remember the specific name, but it's an. It, it was an old German doll. Uh, it's a big doll. As soon as I got her home, she was completely whole, but she pretty much disintegrated on her own. Um, yeah, like in in the box when we got home, and we won't go and go for any bumps or anything. Um, uh, she she was in bits. Uh, I've sold her eyes, but that's all, all of, <laughs> that I've sold of her at the moment. Um, do you ever feel like you might have any... Because haunted items are a real big thing at the moment. Do you feel like anything might ever get attached to any of the things that you've had I, I think through? there's potential for it, but I haven't mm. necessarily seen anything mm. yet. Um, a lot of the stuff that we have, especially the old surgical items, I can imagine within a context of that could yeah. potentially carry something. Yeah. Um, as I say, a lot of the uh, a lot of the particularly like kind of Victorian surgical items are gruesome, like absolutely gruesome. Yeah. Like whoever would have been subject to them uh, would have been in absolute agony. So, uh, in that context, so there's so yeah, there's so much emotional kind of turmoil going around some of these objects. Most of the things then you get through auctions, do you? Other sales? Mostly, yes. Yeah. So I've got a list of kind of uh, like a core clientele uh, that. Um, uh, collect and then sell themselves. Um, the gentleman with the horse's head that we mentioned before, he, he goes worldwide, uh, I go countrywide. My best friend is a van man. Uh, when we both graduated art uni, we decided to once every couple of weeks disappear off to an auction. Uh, I pay him in the things that he likes. Um, uh, it's just a, it, The art of that is just picking the right auction. Um, uh, there are things that are wonderful, but uh, when you get particularly good auctions, you're going to get very affluent people going to them. Um, the game is finding ones obscure enough with obscure enough items uh, to it still get people. Part with it. Yeah, yeah. It, well, it kind of depends on the item. Like, um, say for example, with the teeth, I've got so many of them that I'm just kind of glad to see them go. Yeah, I'm, gla I'm glad to see them go. But like, yeah. teeth. <laughs> well, yes, exactly. Very good. Although I'm a heavy smoker and I do eat sugar a lot, so I should probably keep a couple of <laughs> a couple keep some of back. Um, is but, there anything in here in this room that you would be a bit kind of? Uh, uh, the, the screen printing press in the middle of the table. Uh, so it's, it's quite a large one. I've had A4 screen printing presses before, um, just for the listeners. Um, they're quite rare. It's a folding box. Um, this one's probably just over A3 and then about six inches wide. Um, once you open it, it's um, a multi-layered screen printing press on one side and then on the other side is the... Um, uh, roller with a dedicated area for it. There's a little tiny press for your ink and everything. Everything's involved. Did you do screen printing as part of your degree? Uh, I messed around with it when I was Did very you? young. What was your thing at art school? Oh, th that's a 20-minute conversation within itself. Um, <laughs> uh, so I, I did kind of um, 
uh, very contemporary subversive social work. Uh, I worked with a group of people and we went into spaces subversively manipulating the responses of those within those spaces. Oh, amazing, a bit um, of ethnomethodology. Oh, look at you. I know, I did that in uni. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but the point that we were making, and it's arguably a similar point here, is that you can't necessarily affect people within reality if you put it in the context of art. This could arguably be an installation piece, yeah. but it's, um, as far as we're concerned, not, because to call it something like an installation piece or fine art has so much stigma that um, it then becomes devolved from the reality of the everyday person. And uh, you, can sit, you can be part of this, can't you? You yeah. can sit on the chairs, you can use the table, you can be part of it. Whereas a lot of places I've been to where the look is similar, the aesthetic, like, I always get his name wrong, Dennis Sever's house in Spitalfields, or Sever, oh, I don't know, Victor, I can't say his name. Victor Wind. Yeah, yeah. Um, Dennis, what? God, all these, why can't they just be called Smith? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> How much easier? Yes, that's us, Stacia and Shifra. Um, I kind of think they're, they're very much, you, you walk around the Dennis Severs, Severs, whatever his name is, house, and you have to follow a path you can't touch, you can't really kind of, you just have mm -hmm. to look at it. And that's fine, but this you can actually be part of. It's kind of, and you can take some of it home if you've got yeah, the, exactly. the moolah. Or if you're persuasive enough to allow your girlfriend a dead rat in the house. Like, um... Yeah. yeah, and I am that persuasive <laughs> person who allows dead rats in the house. <laughs> but uh, it's one of the things that it's like, I love the Bridewell. I've been to the Bridewell so much, but it's their apothecary bit. It's kind of like, it teases me. Yeah, I kind yeah, of lean all like, with my hate and, yeah, with my face against the glass, to there, wanting to touch it all. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And own it, really, and just have it and yeah. look at it every day. Exactly, yeah. that's the thing. So it must be nice to have another space. I would kill for another collection of rooms that I could fill with things. That's my dream, basically. Oh, God, she's going to be my competition in a year, isn't she? <laughs> <laughs> That's my dream, yeah, more, more rooms of things. Yeah. I can't imagine you selling it on, though, because I think you'd get too attached to it. Yeah, yeah. I would be a nightmare. Yeah, I could never, yeah. I could never well, work with Well, just do what I do. If there's a couple of things that you really like, just £1,000. It's £1,000. Yeah. Get out. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh. Anything over the other side? Well, I feel we've, um, we've, we've kind of not... Mind the other look. Hardly touched it, have we? There's just so much here. There's so much. We could here, do three hours of this. We at least. could do. There's beautiful taxidermy. There's a J over there. There's a single magma up there who's making me slightly nervous because it's just one. And I saw that the taxidermist did a, a commission of two. Yes. Uh, because well, someone felt the same way as I did. Yeah. 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 Uh, and we, we have to just to salute it, it and Possibly. say that we, we're going to miss that magpie. I know. We, we like ties with him every morning. But, I know. Um, I have to salute them. Hello, Miss Magpie, where's your wife? <laughs> I've had to do that in proper interviews when one has come near me and I've been kind of, you know, yeah, like I this. I always do that as well. Yeah. To, even to the point of looking full, I would have to salute them every time. Yeah, we try to do it every morning, but yeah. sometimes they're really tight. So if you see three, do you salute each one individually or do you do them all? But then there's one? two and then one, so yeah, you, so you, you don't do the salute one. the first two, but then you salute the... You salute the one alone. I yeah, just yeah. salute them all just to be on the safe side. <laughs> It's getting very complicated, isn't it? No matter where Can we you write go, this down for those that need to follow? We like... feel that if there's a single magpie, it needs to be saluted. If right. there's two magpies, then asking where his wife is is by the by with him. <laughs> the magpie's wife is with him. Unless right. it's another boy, who knows? Or at least in spirit. You know, yeah, but... in spirit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for context, in terms of the taxidermy, though, because um, I have to mention her because she's absolutely wonderful. Um, Nikki Sekably is our kind of in-house taxidermist. Uh, she's just down the road. Um, uh, anything that's kind of out of a case in here, um, and they, they're always birds, uh, is Nikki's um, like kind of product. Um, 
the interesting thing with Nikki is that it's all kind of like, um, it's mostly like roadkill and stuff. Uh, she was talking to me the other day about how her mum just sent her a bunch of pictures of dead birds. And the mum was waiting next to her Land Rover in the middle of nowhere in Norfolk, going, do you want them? And then just stood there, waiting for the yes or no, uh, to see whether or not she should throw them in the back of the car. Uh, which yeah. is a very did Norfolk way of... Yes, of course she did. <laughs> I mean, she's branching out into like stoats and stuff at the moment. That's awesome. So that's all very interesting. Yeah, yeah. Like, nice. Maybe it's like, a... a, a a new opening for Deliveroo or something like that. They can go out and get the roadkill and bring yes. it back for you. Yes, roadkill, Roo. Absolutely. <laughs> I was thinking like taxidermy to your door. I think yes. you've given me an actual idea. Just yeah. kind of like... You do need a big freezer, don't you? Yeah. To yeah. have all this. Can, can, I, can I ask a question? Which of, is, course, of course. It's rather sensitive, oh. actually. I'm Fancy. sorry about this. My last name isn't Corpus Di. No, it's no. It's not about one of the But it's about the dog. Speculums. Yes. That should it be lying out there dead. Right. Will it be stuffed or be put in a jar? Uh, the problem is, and I've literally looked into it, I haven't found a jar big enough yet. Well, to be fair, me and my husband, we had a cat until like two years ago, and he really wanted to get her stuffed, like really, but I just couldn't, because no. it would make me too sad, because I'd keep seeing her yeah. and thinking she was going to, and it would make me too sad. So, But there was a, a quite an in-depth discussion about whether that would be a thing that we I did. My animals have been very kind of, appealing to look at at the end of their days do you know what well, I mean I'd rather remember them choice, as though, they were like, if you keep shaving half your cat then... <laughs> <laughs> I like them they like it that way but yeah <laughs> I kind of I don't know yeah I'm not sure I'd have my yeah. so, what about the husband would you have him <laughs> in a jar no but I have told him he can have some of my skin when I die Oh. Book. Yeah. So two of my best friends are I getting something else. Okay, no, continue. No, 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 no. Two of my friends are having like they can pick any tattoo they want. Um Pete can have whatever bit of skin he wants. Aww. Can I have a few fingers? Yeah. Lovely. Well, I'm not gonna need them, so it's like I was getting then you can with that with with jar, and it'll be something that I would have really liked to have. Yeah. Yeah. Like, exactly. Yeah. Apparently when I go I'm gonna be a diamond. Yes. Oh that's actually yeah. really nice. Yeah, that's a nice thing. They're going to make you into carbon and then... Or, or yeah. just take your money and spend it on a diamond. <laughs> buy a diamond. <laughs> yes. Sell the body yes. to the shop here yeah. and buy a diamond. Yeah. 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 Mm, that's a good idea. <laughs> there we go. I mean, considering the amount of work, it won't be anywhere near a diamond. No offence. <laughs> <laughs> a cubic's a <laughs> But me and Kirsty were talking about that the other day, like what to do if we do pass. And I was saying, because I'm kind of aware of funeral costs, it's just kind of push me in the water and float me out to sea. Yeah, just something... Or, or through a, uh, or through a kind of mincer. See, that would be kind of wonderful, actually. Yeah. At least you know that it's, it's like going to be. Fargo. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I or... saw one of those tree things the other day, and that's all I could think about. Like, <laughs> or you could open a pie shop next door. Well, yes. I've been talked about this. Uh, uh, for, for the listeners again, I am wearing a very hard leather apron, and I keep getting jokes about how it's like I'm a Victorian butcher, but you don't know where the meat's coming from. It's an idea, isn't it? I mean, I'm not sure if it's a compliment. That's the problem. So come to Arboretum, I might kill you. (laughs) Thanks for listening to this week's Weird Norfolk episode. You can find us every week in the Eastern Daily Press on page 13 of Weekend Supplement. You can also find an archive of all of our stories at edp24.co.uk and if you're feeling social, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Weird Norfolk.
Weird Norfolk podcast is a Richard Fair production for the Eastern Daily Press. We'd love to hear your comments, your thoughts and your weird stories. Just contact us at weirdnorfolk at archant.co.uk.